Welcome to the Jackets Online Podcast. I'm Kelly Quinlan with Jared Hallis, and we are here to talk about Georgia Tech basketball, football, and a little bit of recruiting probably as well. Uh, it's been a couple weeks. We took a little bit of a break uh, to mourn the uh, the UGA game. No, I think just everybody was exhausted from the football season and uh, with the holidays and whatnot. It was, it was time for a little bit of a break. But uh, Jared kind of... I guess some final thoughts on the football season, and then we'll kind of turn the page and start talking about basketball. Um, I guess, I mean, obviously you have the obvious where could have been a great season. I think everybody knows that there was a lot of potential that, you know, wasn't lived up to last season, obviously with the Tennessee, the Miami games. And, you know, even, even the games that we got blown out in shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't see that kind of result coming from Georgia Tech, regardless. I mean, especially against, like, Duke. And you hate to see him lose 38-7 to to Georgia, man. I mean, that's just – that's the worst loss by far since 2012. And to me, it was – there was there was times. I mean, it was 14-7 to – or actually 17-7 to at halftime because they scored a field goal in 40 seconds going into the half. <laughs> so, so, I mean, there was times where the game was close, but, I mean, they really just took over in the second half. And you hate to see it, but – Overall, I mean, like you said, the season was exhausting. I mean, it took a lot out of all the fans, you know, people pouring their, their time and their, you know, going, traveling hours and hours to go to the games and, you know, just not getting any results. So it's frustrating. And, I mean, like I said, you hate to see it in, but you're kind of, you hate to see it go, kind of glad to watch it leave. Um, now we got basketball season, and that hasn't really gone that well either. No, I mean, it's been kind of weird. The football season kind of came to a thud. You lose a game because of a hurricane. You lose a bunch of really close games. You know, there are a few tip balls and a defensive play away from eight, nine wins this year and possibly playing for the ACC championship. And instead, you know, we're sitting here in December. I have no bowl to cover for Georgia Tech. Um, yeah, I'm that's going to cover you too. Well, you know, I'm actually going to go cover a couple other bowl games from some of the other sites that uh, I own. So I'll go do that instead just to, to get, um, you know, continue my bowl swag collection. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, 2015 was probably the worst one because I was just home and nothing was going on. And Yeah, uh, yeah that's true because none of the other teams are good too. What what bowl games? Central, Central Florida's playing Auburn now, aren't they? Yeah, they're in the Peach Bowl. I'm going to the Birmingham Bowl to cover USF and uh, – in Texas Tech, and I'm going oh, go right. to go up to South Florida, not Central Florida. Yeah, and then I'm going to go up to the Belk Bowl and watch the Mighty Demon Deacons play uh, the the Fighting Jimbo Fishers of Texas A and M. I actually don't think Jimbo's coaching the game, but yeah, um, still interesting. Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting game. Um, and then I'll uh, come home and watch some more tech basketball. I feel like I'm going to miss the Coppin State basketball game with Georgia Tech. But other than that, I think um, it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, what happens with the football team now. Paul Johnson said there's going to be changes. He's intimated to me that he's going to make changes. We'll see what happens. I don't think we'll see anything before December 20th, which is the opening of the signing period. There's a uh, three-day window there where kids will sign between the 20th and the 22nd. And then I think whatever changes Paul Johnson makes will be during that window. Traditionally, he has made changes during that time period, time period around January, around the AFCA convention, the coaches convention. So um, 
you know, I, I think that's when you'll see whatever is going to happen is going to happen. I'd, I would, if I were a betting man, I would not put money on Ted Roof returning. But uh, as a friend of Ted Roof's and someone that likes him a lot personally, I, you know, I hope they can figure something out. But I, I just don't see how you, you keep going back to that well with the results they had last year. It seemed like the team kind of lost confidence in Coach Roof and what they were doing defensively. And it kind of showed on the field to me, especially in those end of – end of half uh situations there where they kept giving up scores even mm-hmm. that you know like you alluded to so uh i'm curious to see what paul johnson has up his sleeves i feel like paul wants to make a final run here in a little three to four maybe five year run at georgia tech and in order to do that he's gonna have to make some changes because right now the staff is not there's there's some sort of disconnect between his staff the football players and what comes on in the field so at some point the message is getting lost and i you know he understands that i think and i think that that's why you will finally see maybe a few interesting changes yeah i mean there's definitely gonna have to be changed just as speaking as a as a fan i mean everyone's frustrated i'm not one that's gonna call for paul johnson's seat i don't want him i i i'm a fan of paul johnson i i, I like him I, I don't want to say that I'm part of the minority there because I feel like there's still a, a large amount of Georgia Tech fans that do, but I, I swear you look around and it seems like everyone's turning their back now. So I mean, the I same mean, thing I, happened after 2015 and then they came out and win nine games. So I, I think winning is the thing that cures all. I think these two non-bowl seasons are what really have people up in arms a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But if you turn around and beat Georgia next year, Georgia, while they are loading up on talent, will be much much younger and different-looking team next year. Um, you kind of look at the overall schedule. Clemson's – I mean, right now, it, Georgia Tech has three games that they should lose on paper every year on their schedule. Right. With Miami, Georgia, and um, Clemson. And no one else in the country you really look at other than maybe, um, maybe you know, like Auburn or someone – like maybe some of those SC West teams can claim that they have like sort of a gauntlet like that. And that's going to be a problem. Like you, and that's where they're looking to step things up. Todd Stansberry is trying to raise some money to, to improve in the arms race. But at the end of the day, um, having those three teams on your schedule is a, a big hurdle to climb. And it's something that no one else really in the league other than Florida state, can claim because Florida State has to play Miami as a crossover game. They have to play Clemson, and they have to play the University of Florida. So, you know, everyone else is kind of, I mean, has kind of a, an easier path to, to win, to get to bowl games. And I think that that's something that Georgia Tech's kind of stuck with right now as long as Clemson's a crossover game. Yeah, I mean, just kind of adding on to what you were saying, you know, with uh, there should only be three teams. And, and if you come out and beat Georgia next year, like you said, they have 31 seniors on their football team this year. I think only 14 of them are on scholarship, but even 14 still a lot of people. So, I mean, there's a lot of change that could go down next year. Obviously, Kirby Smart's doing a great job recruiting, but, I, I mean, I don't know how many times they're going to have these true freshmen come in and make immediate impacts like Jake Fromm and all that. But even then, I mean, it took an injury for Jake Fromm to even get his shot. So, I mean, there's no telling what could happen next season with them and, and with Georgia Tech. So, it's exciting. I guess, I mean, you definitely want to see some changes with the coaching because, I mean, it's just 
unacceptable to lose to Duke by 20 points, to lose to Georgia by 31 points. And it's just not something that you want to see. I mean, regardless of how good or bad these teams are, you, you don't want to see Georgia Tech lose by that deficit to anybody. No, and, uh, you know, what was disheartening, I think, the most for the the Georgia Tech faithful was the way the last two games unfolded, getting your, your ass beat, basically. Right. Uh, to a, a much lesser Duke team, a very kind of pedestrian Duke team. And then a really good Georgia team. And that was a... That was a game that I, you know, we, you and I sat and talked about it before the game that I kind of expected to happen. I thought that mm-hmm. there was a strong, I thought they'd hang around and then they'd get beat down in the second half, and that's what happened. And um, at the end of the day, um, they're a pretty good team. You have to give them credit, and I think that they kind of showed it. They flexed their muscle in the second half and and jumped on Georgia Tech, and that was it. So, you know, those are the only two games where you got to, got beat really well and i think the rest of them were all toss-ups so that gives you something to work off of i you know i'm curious to see what paul johnson does to move over those humps and i think that's a big thing that everyone is going to want to watch going forward yeah absolutely i mean there like i said there's changes that need to be made it's just a matter of whether or not they're going to do them and i like i said as fans i know it's frustrating and you I think I think most people would be okay with with just Ted Roof being gone and Paul Johnson staying, and I feel like that's the. I mean, I I know Paul Johnson's not going anywhere. That's not happening. So I think Ted Roof is being gone is the most likely scenario. And, and I know we've talked about them adding on the tenth coach, and that could pay off to be. I mean, that could prove to be very beneficial in the coming seasons. So it'll be exciting to see the changes that they make over the off season. I think you know, regardless of how bad each season is there's always a lot to look forward to going into the next year yeah i think so and i think it'll be kind of fun to see uh see the team and go through spring practice and kind of see some of the young guys the the plus side of things for me looking at the big picture of it is there's a lot of young talent at georgia tech i think the level of talent is going in the right direction um you just need to see the results on the field and i think that you got kind of a weird leadership bubble this year. I think that was part of the problem. They just really lacked senior leadership and, and a lot of key position groups. And that sort of showed itself. You had a lot of kind of quiet guys like the Austin twins and Keyshawn Freeman and who are not going to go out and, and rally the troops. And they needed a couple guys to rally the troops. And yeah. And so, and I know I saw you talking about it too. You also you, you like to see the coaches kind of be you know those leaders too. I mean that's their job. Yeah, when, I mean, when the players are down, if you're down by, it doesn't really matter how much. Even if you're not down, even if you're in the lead, you still want to see your coaches. You know, pep talking the team, getting them ready to go out there and, and do their job on the next possession. So I mean, and that was something that I feel like was lacking. And I know I feel like you saw that too. So you like to see that change next season as well. Yeah, that's my hope is that we'll see. Um, an improved uh, product on the field and the schedule's a little more friendly. Um, Absolutely. You'll play uh, the opening game, they play Alcorn State, who's god-awful. And then you go down to Tampa, you play a South Florida team that's going to lose basically 90% of their offense with Quentin Flowers gone and their two-star running backs, Darius Heiss and Darius Johnson gone a couple of key wide receivers gone and several key offensive linemen and some pretty good defensive players. 
If anyone doesn't remember Alcorn State, that's the team that Georgia Tech beat. I think it was like 69 to 0 in 2015. Also known as the year that Georgia Tech went 3 and 9. So, if I mean, you can go ahead and mark that one down. Yeah, I think that one's that's a dub. Um, <laughs> and then they play Bowling Green like week three. There's going to be a, a league game somewhere in there. The only weird stuff in terms of the rotations, uh, Louisville comes onto the schedule as a road game next year. Pretty much 90% guarantee you Lamar Jackson will not be there. So yeah. they're a very beatable team this year with Lamar Jackson. Without Lamar Jackson, I think they're going to really struggle next year to even get to a bowl game. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's not it's not a killer schedule. you got a trip to Virginia Tech. Miami's here. You've had some success playing them here. Uh, you can't beat them down in Miami, but you've played them really well in Atlanta. And then um, – Georgia's and Athens where you've had success with, for whatever reason. So uh, it lines up <laughs> a little bit better. And, you know, it, every year is different, and you don't know. And if you had a change yeah. at D.C. or a change at a position coach here or there, maybe it makes a huge difference in the product on the field too. So uh, I'm hopeful uh, that they will get it straightened out, and I think that um, eventually uh, this is going to be – you know, a little more consistent, a little bit more like what we're used to seeing at Georgia Tech. Yeah, and I mean, I think everyone's looking forward to it. I know I am. Last season, I mean, it's just, you know, you got a, you got a first-time quarterback playing. Obviously, Taquan did a good job. I, I think he, he played his best football towards the beginning of the season. But, I mean, you saw him grow a lot. I mean, he made some... He made some good passes there towards the end of the season, especially in the Virginia game. And, and even he had a touchdown pass in the Georgia game. So, I mean, he's growing as a player. I don't know if he'll start again next season. Him and Lucas Johnson will probably be competing for the job. But, you know, just kind of like you said, there's a lot to look forward to next season. I think you could see – I mean, Paul Johnson obviously is a bounce-back guy. You go 3-9 in 2015, there's no signs of hope for 2016. And you come out and win nine games. And I feel like this season – or this upcoming season, at least, there's more to look forward to than we had that season. So – I mean, I feel like you could see, you know, like you said, you know, Georgia Tech football getting back to Georgia Tech football in 2018. Well, and on the flip side of disappointment is the Georgia Tech basketball team. Uh, and really it's sort of all hinged on one thing. Josh Okoge gets hurt in the opening game along with his suspension. And he doesn't come back in December 3rd when he was supposed to. Because uh, his finger's not ready, and, and they just struggle. They beat Northwestern somehow, and then it just fell off. Lost Grambling State, lost Tennessee, lost at Wofford. They'll play FAMU this weekend, and then they got to go to Athens and play a decent Georgia team. So it, this is a tough, tough little run for Georgia Tech, and I think that uh, you got to you got to try to win the game Sunday. And hopefully you can play Georgia competitively, and then you got to win those last two non-conference games, because going into to ACC play under 500 is going to be a really ugly position for Georgia Tech to play from. Yeah, I think I mean, like you said, or I mean, it's just it was so similar to football season for me, because all the games were such winnable games. I mean, you come out and beat Northwestern, no one knows how. It was a Tadrick Jackson buzzer beater, which was incredible. And so you're you're sitting in a pretty good spot there. You're four and one. You know you have a quality win under your belt at that point. So you're looking good. And then you come out and lose to Grambling, who was I think like one and five when they played Tech. And you know you lost off an own basket 
lose to Tennessee by I mean the Tennessee game was it was it was a close game as well. Well, and, and they're a top 20 team right now too. Let's put that in a little perspective. This is the best Tennessee team they've had since Bruce Pearl left. So, I mean, I think yeah, that, you know, definitely. that's going to look like a, a good loss at the end of the year. And they played them pretty well. No, there's no doubt. And the, the thing about that game was they had a kid, I think it was like Lamonte Taylor or something, scored 24, or Turner, 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 scores 24 points. Off the and then bench, the, kid against, yeah. the kid on Wofford shoots freaking lights out, 12 for 22, makes eight three-pointers and drops 36 points, including the game winner. So, I mean, all it was all close games. Obviously, that's something. I think the Grambling game was what started it all. I mean, it just kind of hurts your hurts your confidence a little bit, and it'll take a game like Florida A and M, hopefully, to to get that confidence back and maybe be able to go and play some good basketball and, against Georgia. Yeah, and I think that uh, eventually they'll get it back on track. Hopefully, it'll be this week. I mean, you know, the biggest thing that's killed them has been Lammers being hurt. Um, his ankle's not been right. He's not been explosive. He's not been able to rebound or block shots, play defense, or score. He just hasn't been able to beat Ben Lammers. Yeah, I mean, he's he looks like 50% of Ben Lammers. And uh, as Josh Pastor said to me after the Wofford game, 50% of Ben Lammers is still better than anything on the bench. <laughs> That's the thing that makes you nervous if you're a Georgia Tech fan looking to next year. Um, you see 50% of Ben Lammers and – you're going to have 0% of Ben Lammers next year, and what's behind <laughs> him is is pretty ugly right now. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you can see some glimpses in Evan Cole maybe and, and Moses Wright, but they're not really rim protectors like Lammers. So it'll be interesting to see how a small ball Georgia Tech team plays unless he can get a grad transfer to come in and be a DeMarco Cox, Nick Jacobs kind of guy that'll come in and give you one year of really quality uh, big man play. Yeah, and I want to take a minute to brag on Evan Cole. I feel like he's actually exceeded my expectations at least so far for this season. You know, being a walk on, he's actually he's actually played pretty well. No, no, he's on scholarship, Evan. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah, he's on scholarship. Is that like a new thing, or what? Has no, he no, been? he was always on scholarship. He was going to UNC Wilmington, and then they hired NC State hired Kevin Keats, and Josh went in and stole him late um, from from UNC Wilmington. Uh, Evan um, is a guy who just needs his body to, to catch up with the rest of him. I think once that happens, um, you can sort of see the glimpses of what he can do. AD and, and Sylvester Obanda just I, – I, I don't see how they're – neither one of those guys should be playing in the ACC. And um, they're getting a lot out of AD. But, I mean, he was a mess in that Wofford game. Uh, and he's he's really been – um, kind of a, a non-factor for them in a lot of games, and as Josh Pastner was talking about, teams are playing them almost three on two, uh, three on five on two at times, with just guarding Todrick and and Ben Lammers, and then leaving the other mm-hmm. guys open to let them dare them to shoot. So yeah. you, you see like pieces. You see Curtis Haywood shooting. You see Jose Alvarado's grittiness and his shooting's not bad and. He just can't finish around the rim yet because uh, the body control is not there yet at this level. And then you see kind of um, the pieces with the guard play. And when you add Josh Okogi back into it, I think they'll play like a small ball lineup. And um, it'll be interesting to watch them the remainder of the season once he's healthy and assuming he gets his legs back. Because right now he can't, he can't sweat. So 
Josh O can't do even like conditioning and stuff. So his legs are going to be gone when he comes back too. So it's going to be a kind of a long road. I think this may end up being a little bit of a lost year for Georgia Tech. And it's sad because going into the year with Lammers, Okogie and Todrick, uh, you kind of expected, you know, another 20 plus one season. And I think it's going to be hard for them to get back there right now. Absolutely. And it definitely has looked so the past, you know, three games. And I I was going to ask you, Kelly, do you think that, uh, the absence of Justin Morris played a big factor in those losses? I don't know. Justin hasn't played very well this year um, from what I've seen. Uh, he's looked really uncomfortable at times out there. And I think maybe the inconsistency of him being in and out of the lineup with the, you know, he was playing and then he was suspended and then he just missed a game for academics to get ready for finals. So I'm curious to see how he plays once they get back from finals. Um He's a guy who's got to try to cement his role because next year they bring in Mike DeVoe, who is a combo guard who's a much better scorer than Justin Moore. And you have Alvarado. I don't really see where his minutes come in into the game when you you have those two guys there that can already do what he does, and he doesn't really give you a lot scoring. No, I agree. I mean, he's definitely not a, a guy that scores the basketball too often, and obviously we've seen Alvarado play pretty well so far this you know, eight games into the season. So it's exciting. You know, I hate to talk about next season already, but like you said, it could be a lost season for Georgia Tech. So there's, there's still a lot to look forward to even, even this season. I mean, there, you never know what could happen. The team could go out and beat Florida A&M by 30 points and, you know, get all the confidence in the world. There's just no telling. It's still, I mean, like the signs don't point to it being a good season, but I mean, I've seen crazier things happen. Well, I mean, yeah, when you, so looking ahead, you get into ACC play, all right? So they'll open the season with Miami, which will be an interesting game. Uh, on the, well, they open the season at Notre Dame, which will be a tough game. You have Miami and then a weird non-conference game with Yale. And then Notre Dame again here. Then at Pittsburgh, who sucks, you play Virginia here, which will be a tough game. You play at Carolina, which will be a tough game. You play at Florida State, will be a tough game. And then you play Clemson and Syracuse here, which are both winnable games. You play at BC, which is a winnable game. You play at Louisville, which is a winnable game. You get Duke here, which will be a loss. You play at Wake, which is a winnable game. Virginia Tech here, which is a winnable game. At Virginia, which is tough. And then at Clemson, which is winnable. NC State and Wake Forest, which are all winnable. So... You can conceivably see a path where they could get to around 500, and let's say they get um, they beat FAMU, Wright State, and Coppin State. They win the last three home games plus the L game. That's four more wins, so that's eight and four, eight and so say we'll say eight and five non-conference. So you add nine more ACC wins into that. You're at 17. Um. Then you're at least in the bubble for the NIT. So I right, mean, that's what I was thinking too. I mean, it could be a season where you're you're you know on the edge on the bubble for the NIT tournament again, which I mean wouldn't be that disappointing given what's been going on for the you know beginning of the season. And if you can upset if you can pull some upsets, um, that was the big thing last year. I mean, you can get to that twenty, yeah, State, and that gets you on the I mean, bubble because the strength of schedule is not going to be terrible. Um once the ACC is factored into it. Right. Because the non-conference schedule, while it doesn't look great, actually hasn't been that bad. I wonder what their RPI is. Um, 
And that was the big, like I said, that was just that was the that was the thing for me last year. They were able to win games that they by no means were, you know, supposed to win. And I don't know if I can. I mean, I, I don't know if I can see that team doing that this year. I mean, they beat Northwestern, which was a game that they probably weren't supposed to win. But you know, against the powerhouses of the nation, like North Carolina and and, and Duke, I don't know if we'll see that happening. So the strength of schedule is going to be like one sixty seven or something like that. Um, so we'll see. I mean. You know, most people are projecting them to win. At this point, the projections now have dripped down to around 12 to 14 wins. So I certainly think you can you can do better than that. Hey, I mean, that's better than the zero that they were supposed to win last year. Yep. In the ACC, at least. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Jerry gets to cover his first basketball game on Sunday. You guys can follow along on Twitter with... Uh, with him and uh, his write-up on the game. And then we're going to be knee-deep in football recruiting for about the next week and a half uh, as the first signing day approaches uh, uh, with with Georgia Tech. And um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how all that plays out. Georgia Tech has possibly 18 visitors officially this weekend um, from commits to a few uncommitted guys. So, That'll be a whole other uh, interesting subplot. There's even a possibility of a second German player coming to the flats uh, this year. So a lot of fun stuff going on. You can check it out on jacketsonline.com. And I think that, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how all this stuff unfolds. And we get spring footballs now three months, three and a half months away. So, Right. Um, you know, we're, the clock's winding back up again. And, yeah, uh, it's a, it's a it's a good time to you know for for sports. I mean, this month will be a good month to you know see, like you said, if there is any changes on the football staff, it, it won't be until probably after the signing period, which is later this month. Uh, so, I mean, that could be exciting. You'll be able to find out really who or how legit the p- basketball team is. You know, when they start facing some tougher competition later this month. So. I mean, like you said, it's winding back up. It's an exciting time. So we'll see what happens. All right, cool. Well, uh, I think that'll wrap it up for this edition of the Jackets Online podcast. We're going to keep it a little short this week since um, we're getting into the, the weeds of the off season. But uh, for Jared, I'm Kelly Coleman. And uh, join us next week for another edition of the Jackets Online Thank you.